Back to another episode of the Coys R Us podcast. This is episode 35. Kim is here. Ben is here. Joel is here. It's been five days since the rant. Um, we haven't had a, an episode since. So it's been interesting. I feel like after it happened, I actually missed the game live. I was doing something else. I came home. Watched the game on replay without looking at the score. I didn't know what was going to happen. And saw the way the game ended. And I was like, this guy's got to go. And that was before I saw the press conference. So I I come into the group chat and I'm like, all right, yeah, this is is ridiculous. And Ben goes, wait till you see the presser. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, I I feel like... uh, there were there were emotions and feelings after the press conference, after the game. And then we sat on it for a few days and then I kind of had some time to to kind of settle my thoughts. And I was just telling Kim I've kind of been avoiding the the cycle of like all the podcasts that have been out and all the commentary that's been coming out since you see the tweets. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to try to settle my thoughts originally without being influenced by too many of the other talking heads. So I feel like now it's been about five days. Um, and not a lot has changed since then. We haven't gotten any news from the club. He still hasn't been sacked. There's been a lot of speculation and rumors, but nothing's happened yet. Um, so I, I see just as a heads up to anybody who's listening, I think this is going to be a little bit of a podcast for us to kind of just like talk it out. This is going to be just a talk it out sesh. How are we feeling? What are we thinking? What do we want to see happen? Um, And I wanted us to kind of go in a different direction than where everybody else is probably going. And I think it's probably unforeseen to us because this was not intentional, but I think it's probably a good thing that we didn't record right after the game um, and had a little bit of time to sit on it. So without further ado, I guess I'll start with you, Kim. The Southampton game. Just where are you with this club, with this team, with the manager, with Levy? Like after that game ended and now we have, you know, two weeks until our next game, where are you kind of with it all? Um, I'm kind of indifferent about everything, honestly, where, you know, this season now truly seems like it's there's really nothing to play for. Um, Obviously, like top four is still there, but based on just the general mood around the club it doesn't even seem like Conte even thinks that's a possibility and you know I yeah it's hard to like put into words just how like disappointing this season has been because we we like went into we came out of last season with such high expectations about what this team might be going forward to do and it's not like we didn't sign people to help with that but for some reason none of that seemed to come together and I don't know I I just didn't like how Conte went out into the public and sort of like spewed all of this instead of like I mean maybe he said it to them but from what I understand he didn't so much like tell the players he was going to do this like they had no idea that he was going to go out and sort of like scorch the earth um and it was just kind of disappointing because it's just another moment where 
Conte put himself above the club. And that's been probably the most grating thing about him for me in general is it's not always the football he plays, but it's how he just seems so separate from Tottenham. Um, And he never really, it never really feels like he, like he always talks about how everything he does here will be a miracle. Like we didn't finish top four for like four years running. Like it, it just, it just feels like, he thinks he's better than us and he's kind of always felt like that. And if that's how you feel, then I mean, fuck off, honestly. Well, let me ask you this then. Why do you think he agreed to sign with Spurs? Cause I'll be honest. When we sacked Nuno and hired him, I was shocked. Not only because we didn't sign him this previous summer, but also I just thought that it was like a, a little bit of a wonky match like Conte and the way that he operates as a manager seemed to be in direct conflict with the way that we run our football club. So why do you think he came in the first place considering everything that you just said? Maybe he was just missing football and Spurs seemed like a decent opportunity. Like, I don't know. Um, Like you said, it was, it was very shocking when he took the job because he did turn it down. Like, I don't know, less than six months before that. So it it was shocking. And I don't know, maybe I thought he would be a little more willing to, like, Levy has been more willing to spend money than he has in years past. So I feel like I'm not saying he's done everything he should have done, but it's been an improvement of what we've seen from him. But it just felt like Conte he's the he just never really felt like he was willing to work with what's here he just is always like gotta get new guys in gotta get new guys in and then when we get new guys in he calls them a club signing it seems like spurs are the only team that has club signings (laughs) everyone else just has players that they may not play and at spurs it's like oh he's a club signing and it that di- that like difference in how- and and that's part of the thing that I'm talking about where he separates himself. He consistently over his tenure has like pointed out situations where he was opposite of the board, and so he's never really shown a united front. And and I guess like when the team's not doing what they're supposed to, you start to see like what kind of handle does he actually have on that dressing room if he's coming into the press calling people selfish like. Well, clearly not much now, because <laughs> that was I don't think I've ever seen a press conference like that before. I know that, Ben, you're kind of like not on social media, which is probably really great right now. I wonder from your perspective, like how you're taking all of this in, especially without all of the noise from like the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Because you're just kind of viewing what you're what you're viewing and then drawing your own conclusions, which is what the rest of us should probably also be doing without well, all of me- that noise around you. I, I guess I'm I'm curious to know, like, how have you been taking in the past five days? Well, I mean, stuff does filter through. So even though I'm not explicitly on social media, if you uh, are on the Internet at all, it's kind of hard not to see a lot of that noise. But I would say. If there's one, if there's one thing that Conte could have done to uh, to unify the club, it was to do that. Because I mean, there has been a split of Conte out versus you know Levy Enoch out for past few months, and not that there aren't still going to be detractors of Levy and, and Enoch, but I think that there are a lot fewer people on Conte's side after that uh, display. And I think what what Kimmy was saying too, a lot of it is just 
he's been doing this the whole time where he distances himself from the club. It's very much, you know, me and them. Um, and that's gotten on my nerves the whole time, but we were willing to overlook it, you know, as it seemed like he was potentially getting more and more, um, you know, comfortable in the position and, and enjoying it. I mean, he, that's, that's the thing I don't get is he's schizophrenic about this, uh, his opinion on the players. Wasn't he talking about them being one of the best groups he'd ever worked with just, you know, earlier this year, last year. And if Jose did that too, for the record. Yeah. I mean, that that's flip not, flop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a probably a, an apt comparison at this point, but not a good one in my book. Um, but uh, if he thinks the players are selfish, then why is he not, why is he not switching the players that he's playing? Why is he using the same 11 players? Like I wish he would name names. If he's, he, is he saying they're all selfish or like, who is he talking about? Do you think that's my biggest question? I, I don't really I don't think that I think that he's just a hothead and and can't help himself to some degree. I there might be some lazy players, but again, why are they not? Why is he not subbing them out? Why is he not changing up the starting eleven? Like, who do you guys honestly think that he was referring to when he says there are lazy players? Uh, if he talks about players being selfish, particularly and or lazy, selfish rather, I but, mean, yeah. For me, I think everyone's kind of scapegoat throughout most of our losses over the past few years has been Eric Dyer. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's the first one that comes to my mind, but again, he's the first he... one. Yeah. I mean, he's the first one that comes to people's mind for a number of reasons. Number one, he makes a lot of stupid mistakes. And number two, I think he represents the old guard, right? Like the, yeah. the, the when we what talk you... about the players that have been here forever and we should have moved on from them by now, most of the time we're pretty much talking about Eric Dyer. Right, because nobody's bringing up Kane or Son in that, right? And right. I wouldn't think that he and, and and I mean selfishness is almost a a good attribute as an attacker too. I mean you don't want to be too selfish, but you do have to be taking shots too. You don't want to be the guy that's passing everything and, and passing up good opportunities. Um, well, I, I think just, when he said selfish, he's thinking more so in terms of like you're not thinking or you're not acting in a way that is going to be most advantageous to the team. So like, for example, that's just saying, if you play poorly, you're selfish then like that. That's not. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe I, I know you're trying to make sense out of something. It doesn't make yeah, any sense, yeah, but. No, yeah. no, I, mean, I, just... I mean, another thing that a lot of people have pointed out is that for all of the talk that we've made about the old guard and us not rotating and us having the same stupid players that we've had for the past eight years, you look at the lineup that, that played against Southampton. A lot of those are guys that signed since we had Conte. I mean, I know that's Longley, the other thing. A lot Parisage, of them are his Richarlison, guys. Kulisevsky. Like, there wasn't a ton of the old guard in the lineup at all. Ben Foster, even. So, are you talking about, like you said, are you talking about no, not Ben Foster? <laughs> not Ben Foster. I said Ben Foster. Razor Forster. Yeah. Razor Forster. <laughs> well, ben just signed with Wrexham, so yeah, shout out did. to him. That's pretty, he was probably on my mind because of that Ben Foster. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, yeah, Fraser, Fraser Foster, he's been really good. But yeah, I mean, like, it's not like we're still playing. I mean, we are still playing Lucas Moore, I guess, but um the, a lot of Trying the players <laughs> a lot of players that we had under potch aren't are gone or they're out on loan or they're you know at besiktas not getting minutes so like it's it's not it's not completely fair when people go down that that rabbit hole and i do feel like you said like he's he was even doing stuff like this not to this level but he was still complaining about the board complaining about his team when he was at inter winning a championship like 
he's always kind of been this guy. I think it's blown up more because the team is not winning because the team's not vying for any trophies and because the team is Tottenham and there's like the whole narrative around the club. It's pretty rich though, for a guy with that ego to be calling other people selfish, a guy that won't even refer to himself on it with his employer and his, his, his players that he coaches as us. (laughs) And he's going to say that they're being selfish. Like I just, that's I don't know, man. I feel like this has eclipsed almost any kind of the of the, the, the shit Jose pulled at this point, and it's and the and the actual football is pretty much the same at this point too. It, it really feels like this has been a uh, maybe a slower devolution into it, but same thing happened basically. It was very similar to what happened with Jose. It reminds me of like when we had uh, George W. Bush as president, and it was like this guy's the worst, and then <laughs> then eight years later. We were like, you know what? That Bush guy wasn't so bad. It wasn't too bad. He wasn't too bad. I'll take that Bush guy back right about now. Um, and I feel like this this whole mess, It's it, and it's so crazy because a year ago, it felt like such good vibes. Like everything was going well. I know. The Conte system was working. We were scoring a lot of goals. We were actually exciting. It seemed like, and then again, we had a bunch of good signings over the summer. This is what we've talked about. It just seemed like we were on a, a nice upward trajectory until about August, when it just went flat and then kind of spiked up and down, and then has been on a downward trajectory for several months now, at least. Yeah, and it also did feel like we were stealing points for a lot of the early yeah. part of the season, um, stealing points at Chelsea, the Burnmouth game. Those are just like a few that come to mind off the top of my head, but like there weren't a ton of convincing performances this season, not in the way that like last year where we were running through teams and scoring three, four and five goals. So I don't know. Um, You mentioned the whole like Conte in Conte out thing. And in theory, you're right. Like this should have completely turned the fan base against Conte, but that hasn't been the case as much as I've seen. Like there are still a lot of, well, you know what? Conte's actually right. And well, there's a lot of people playing both a- sides of it, right? That's what I said. Like, it's not like they're going to all of a sudden be anti or pro Levy and Enoch. That what I hear a lot of people saying, it seems like, is, you know, he pointed, like you said, he's, he's, what he said is not wrong. And I'm not saying what he said is wrong necessarily. I'm saying he omitted a lot of other shit, like his culpability in the club culture and everything. Like, how is he pretending like the manager isn't the figurehead and the actual? leader of of the team itself well that's that's what he's trying to that's what he's trying to say though is like it's not it's not my fault that these players don't have the confidence and don't have the the want to to play better it's not my fault that whole press conference sort of gave me that like this is not on me like i'm washing my hands of this like these a true leader right these guys suck (laughs) Yeah. yeah that's I just that's that's crazy to me. Just like again, you're you are the leader of this pack of like it's it's insane that you're distancing yourself in that way. Especially like if he had just come in, then yeah, he's like he's he needs time to have influence on on the on the uh, you know on the dressing room, on the players, on the team, on the the culture. But he he did have that influence last year, and then apparently he completely lost it. And it might help if he again was part of a collective referencing himself that way and not. Constant, like maybe uh, having a longer term contract, not being waffling every other week on whether or not our players are really strong mentally or weak mentally and selfish. Like it just his. It, it, I don't think that you can 
square that circle in terms of what he's saying and take it with good faith, to be honest. I just I think he was throwing a tantrum and it maybe it was a pointed tantrum where he he's ready to get out and just go back to Italy. I think that's I would say that's pretty obvious, but his almost none of his points, while while they could be valid overall, they're not valid coming from that guy. Because he's talking about it like he's an, an outs, like he's a pundit or something. You know, like, that makes no sense. I just, I don't get it. Well, I will say this. Um, when I watched the presser, the first thing, the first takeaway that I had was like, this is a man that's trying to get fired. Uh, because Absolutely. you don't talk about your players and your club the way that he talked about them so openly and unprompted, by the way. Like the entire press conference, I think there was one question asked and then he just went off for like 10 minutes. No, so there was, there was like a few. I'm actually looking at the transcript. There were four questions, but the first question was basically like a tough penalty decision. But at three, one, 50 minutes to go, should you be drawing the match? And he talks about the penalty for like a second and then he just goes, boom, like I think that was. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think. Well, let's talk about what he actually said. One thing that he said was about the players being selfish. They don't play for the badge. They play for themselves. So that was one piece. And then he got into this whole thing about, like, they're not comfortable with struggle, which is something that he's alluded to in the past, but not in those terms, right? He's always talked about how players have to struggle to succeed. He's, he's, He's used that phrase and that terminology many times over the course of his tenure at Spurs. But this time it seemed to be saying that not only do players need to struggle, but like these guys specifically are unwilling to do the work to struggle. So that's the question done again, right? Just real quick. Is he saying everybody, this is why he needs to name names. Is he saying every single player on our team is unable to deal with struggle? That, and if that that's might, the case, that might've been even worse if he named names. I don't know if I think he should. It, it would have been more, it would have burned it down to the ground even more, but I feel like that's done, but we'll see the hit. I'm surprised he's still there. So who knows? It looks like they're going to give him a little bit longer, but I'm just saying like to keep it that ambiguous and to be that, um, to be that emphatic, but ambiguous at the same time, it just, it makes it so that, like I said, it's completely unclear. If he's meeting every single player, then how are they, who's supposed to impart that wisdom on them? How do they learn to go through suffering? Or do we just have terrible recruitment policies? And and like what, we forgot to ask them a, a trick question about how, if they're willing to struggle when times get tough. Like, it, again, I, I just don't understand that coming from the coach. Who is it supposed to teach them, to coach them even, how to have that kind of mentality? Like, I... I, I don't know what to say. It, again, if he is a, a pundit talking about our team from the outside, it would make sense. And I'd be like, he's he's proud, he's right. Somebody needs to instill that upon our like we're we're crumbling in tough spots, like we're choking, we're we're going, getting spursy, you know. Like there's a we have a, our own fucking word for it. But the whole point of bringing in a proven manager like Conte was to try to get rid of that, and he's instead is like, oh no, they can't they can't yeah. expect to ever win because they they don't have it in them. Like I no, mean, I nobody do, on the team does. I do wonder what he thinks his job is because it did feel like, like Kim said, like he was kind of just like absolving himself from everything and saying like, hey, I can't do anything with this. But I do wonder like, well, what is actually your job as the manager? If you're saying that the players aren't playing hard enough, they're not playing as a team, they're selfish, they're not comfortable with struggle, they collapse in big moments. And then he kept saying over and over, like, I'm not talking about the tactics, but it's like, 
well, maybe we do need to actually talk about the tactics because there is there is a way to play when you have a 3-1 lead that maybe you don't end up, lo- I said losing, we actually drew the game, but it felt like a loss. So that's one part of it. But I, I think the other part that's more interesting is this whole Spursy concept that you just brought up, which is interesting because it, it does feel like there is some like unlucky cloud that's just hovers over everything Tottenham. Despite the fact that we, like we said, a lot of the players have changed. The only real rotation players that are long layovers are Kane, Son, Davis, and Dyer. Hugo. Um, yeah, Hugo, but he he wasn't even in the team when right. over the past few months. So it's like, I, I wonder, I kind of want to get you guys' perspective on this because it does feel like we lose games in very Spursy ways, despite who the coach is despite who the players are even. And I think that our fan base gets fed up with it and sick of it and automatically says, look at this. This is all Levy's problem. Our players collapse in big games. We can always get to a semifinal and lose, or we get knocked out of cups from these stupid teams like Dinamo Zagreb or Colchester or this year with Sheffield. It's got to be the owner's fault. And that doesn't really sit right with me because the owner is obviously not on the pitch. He's not in the dressing room. And so if players are just having mental collapses over the course of years, we've had the same kind of silly performances, despite who the players are and despite who the coach is. Like Kim, how do you think that's possible? Number one. And more specifically, do you think that there is such thing as like a toxic culture that could permeate itself regardless of who the employers are, employees are. It, it just doesn't seem like that's a real thing. Like, I don't understand how with all these different managers, if I don't, I don't think like the, the owner can like cause us to lose in finals like that, that to, to me, that stuff just does not correlate. I mean, uh, part of it is I think we like we can bring up the reasons at times like the last I mean versus Milan like there was no energy versus Sheffield United he basically played a super rotated team when he probably should have played our strongest team like so in one of those finals of pot she played son at left wing back so like these are just dumb decisions and I'm not going to put that on the I'm not going to put that on Levy, I'm not going to put that on the structure of the club. That's the manager making a decision tactically. And so maybe we've just had a few of these just pile up. Uh, I don't want to say it's like Spurs are broken and that like our culture is totally like destroyed because there are times where you look at the this club culture and it seems amazing. When there's someone with energy at this club, you feel it. I just say that when when someone looks like they have the energy to do this job, you feel it. And it galvanizes the team and it keeps them going. But I mean, we're not the only, and I I think sometimes people look at Spurs and think, oh, it's, you know, it's, we're Spursy. How many teams don't win trophies every year? Why is it just, why are Most we the only them? ones Almost that, all of them? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, why are we the only ones that get singled out for not winning trophies? I, I, I really, think- I really want to know that. 
Like, why are we there's... the ones that only get we? And I, I'm, I'm gonna say this: the reason why they single us out is because we punched above our head for like four years. Yeah, I think <laughs> and... that's a big part of it. I think that we're, so we're we're kind of like the uh, we're the lowest man on the totem pole of the big teams. That's basically what it comes down to. We punched above our weight for a few years, and and so we're we have a little, some self loathing among our fan base. Our closest rival was was really good for a couple decades there, um, and you know has has started to get back up, and obviously in good good position this year. Going back to what you guys were saying though about culture coming from Levy down, I. I'm with Kim. I, I can't see how like the only two ways I could see that are uh, it would come down because the players feel like they don't have investment coming from like financial investment coming from the, the top so that they're they feel like they're never going to be able to like Kane might feel this way. How am I going to compete for a, a trophy for a championship with not enough money coming down? If that's the case, though, and it's a financial thing. Then we're the we're the fifth best culturally in the league. If that's what if you're going to make a direct correlation there. And then the other one would, I guess, be it's too. I wouldn't have Jesse on to talk about this, but I guess if more investment in tor- in terms of like uh, team psychology potentially, or investment in terms of scouting because you're scouting the wrong type of psychological profile. That's the only things that I can think of that would somehow explain how culture could be inherited from the front office or from the lead, the you know the team ownership. That that 100% would be coming from the coaching staff, the ones they interact with all day, every day, the ones that are instilling them with with not just tactics, but mental strength and toughness. I mean, I just, I don't see how you can make an argument other than it being the manager, to be honest, or the, the managerial staff. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a devil's advocate out here. Because one of the things that a lot of Spurs fans talk about is how players will leave Spurs and then win a trophy, right? So it's like a player will be at Spurs. They don't win anything. They leave, they go somewhere else, whether it's, and Dombele going to Napoli or, you know, it was uh, Lo Celso going and winning with Argentina and like all these players, the, the list is long. And also managers who have won elsewhere, either before coaching Spurs or after coaching Spurs, who have also gone on to win trophies. So the argument then becomes if the players are good enough to win trophies somewhere else and the managers are good enough to win trophies somewhere else, why is it that the same combination of managers and players don't win when they're in North London? I, I just, I think that again, that's, that's a false equivalency though, is, is they're going to other leagues, to other teams that have better chances of winning. Like, have they ever, we've never had a player go to like West Brom and win a trophy unless you're like a championship, like literally the championship, like that going to an Italian team at the, the Serie A is not nearly as competitive as the Premier League. They don't have just these teams that have billions and billions of dollars at their disposal in the same way they they're again i if any if any of our players had ever gone to a team that was like in our same league and anywhere below us none of them would have ever won trophies i mean again this is a fairly black and white thing as kimmy brought up earlier how many how many teams have won the premier league in the last five years is it just city and liverpool now for the last five like newcastle's coming into this we know chelsea like it's not it's not it's not as black and white as oh they went to another i mean they went to another team and won a trophy it's just a again i feel like it's kind of a disingenuous argument that that people are bringing up i, I think that's arsenal fans saying that kind of shit you know it's not 
Oh, it's our fans. Spurs so fans. Jaded it's Spurs definitely, fans. definitely it's, Spurs fans. It's but like when fans I mean, listen, there's a lot of self-loathing there. It's jaded Spurs fans. I mean, but what so about like Juan Foyt goes to Villarreal and wins a trophy the next year? Like that's not Villarreal. Did, is, did Villarreal? Isn't that the team that won the Europa League like four years in a row or some shit too? Like, I mean, they're, they're these are. I just don't think that that has anything to do with it. I mean, maybe I'm trying to be too optimistic about it, but. I, I feel like that's uh that's cherry picking basically. Yeah, I mean, correlation does not equal causation. Exactly. I think that's exactly. the the name of the game right there. It's like when you look at Napoli, is Tank Tongi and Dombele a big part of that team? Not really. He comes off the bench every once in a while, and he's or else he'd be able to recoup while, some but, of that money if but he he's, actually matters to that championship. He's not someone who's like mattered super to that that title run. Um. So and it's like. Juan Foyt was a decent player, but he was super young. It's a different league. Like, I, I don't know. You just can't be, these things aren't like analogous to me. It just is like, yeah, that guy left, but Lacelso won the World Cup. So did Romero. Like, okay. Like, what are we saying? But Romero played and Lacelso didn't really. So, I mean, how much did, how much did Lacelso play during that World Cup? Actually, I don't think he. I don't think all. he was on that yeah, team. I he was but injured. He, he was on the team that, um, he was on the team Got that them won there. The, Copa, Copa uh, America. Copa, yeah, Copa, Copa America, America. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine. I mean, Hugo was on the French team again. Like that, that really has nothing to do with their their play at, and like club play at Spurs. Like it, I mean, Kimmy said best. Like correlation does not equal causation. That's it's as simple as that. And 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 people that want to just rattle these things off, they're just looking for ways to, like I said, either to try to insult us or I, I would say it's self loathing. <laughs> Or, or ways to try to attack the front office because you're unhappy with them. And again, I get, I'm not saying that Levy's perfect. I don't think I'd have a problem if we had another owner with more money and, uh, you know, more sound reasoning. The, you know, a lot of people talk about us not having a director of football and Levy kind of trying to straddle the line between being a chairman and also be maybe too involved in kind of the operational side. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think we'd be better with like an analytics department with a, a somebody that had a more clear vision of the future, a director of football to, to look at things in uh, from a larger perspective. And a, I was say, don't, don't we, don't we have one of those? Well, a one that's not about to go to jail. <laughs> for, now, like, for now we do. Well, there's well, one yeah. more thing from the rant. I mean, there's, there's a few other things I want to get to, but there's one more thing that we kind of touched on that I wanted to talk about a little bit more, um, which is, you know, the Conte in guys looked at that rant and said, finally, a coach has called out all these things that we've been complaining about for years. Good on him. We've needed somebody to do that for years. It's a shame that Pochettino didn't do it when he was here. But finally, we have a coach that says all the things. And there are a few things that he said in terms of like player mentality collapsing in big games Listen, i think almost everything he said is true we're I'm true, just saying right? what's the reason like how about you acknowledge why it's that way instead of pretending like this is you're completely distanced from it that's my big thing so what do you think is the why that's the that's the i think conte is the why for the most part <laughs> again going back to this whole thing if you're trying to instill culture if culture is equating to being good i guess right like there i don't know like can you have a a team that's really that that's like like getting relegated, but they have great culture and you have a team that's winning a title that has terrible culture, probably, but that would be something fans don't see. Right. I'm saying from the outside perspective and, and, and Conte obviously had the inside perspective here, but I don't think he's using it in that way. I don't think he's saying camaraderie and, and, you know, like brothership. I mean, maybe he is, if he's calling everybody selfish, but then again, go, well, I going think back it's to more so about like that, grit, that. that nastiness, right? Like we tend to have a team full of good guys who lose. 
And there was, you know, that famous um, clip from the All or Nothing when Jose said, I need you to be a team full of cunts. Which yeah. basically is saying, like, I need you to be, like, up the shithousery a little bit. Right. So, but then again, is that, that would, I would think that would either be the coaching staff that would do that or else we, there it's like scouting, literally like a psychological profile of like, we're just, we're only signing the guys that are just too nice. I don't really see another answer. Like, I don't think it's because Levy is a weirdo. And so that makes everybody too nice. Like I, I I'm just, I'm failing to see a link there that wouldn't be either coaching or scouting. I, I see a lot of like what he was saying was kind of like, yeah, I mean, he kind of has a point there, but I, I feel like where I keep landing with it is you're getting paid 15 million pounds a year to kind of like fix a lot of this. And so like, if you're coming in as the manager of a football team, then your job is to manage. <laughs> like you have to manage personalities. You have to manage tactics. You have to manage mindsets. You have to manage expectations, which I think he's probably done a little bit too much of. Um, because his expectations for our team have 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 simply been too low. And I, I do wonder how much of that has to do with what Kim was saying in terms of like him distancing himself from the club and feeling like he's too good for them. How much of that has to do with him feeling like these players just aren't up to par? How much of that has to do with him feeling like he didn't get enough of his guys? And so if he has to play club guys, then this is just untenable. But did you see the... Uh... Did Regardless you see of that? all of it, though, I, I mean, I think the only thing is just like for you as the manager and quite frankly, as a leader, you don't you're not showing a lot of leadership qualities. You're just providing excuses as to why you can't lead. And I think that was where I ultimately landed with it, where it's like, yeah, you made some good points, but you left out all the points that had to do with like the job that you did this year, which actually very, wasn't very good. He maybe didn't get every single player he wanted, but he we got a lot of players that it seems like he did want. The one you know exception being Jed Spence, he did not want. But I don't remember hearing too much about players that he wanted that he didn't get. Like he kept saying he was happy with his center backs until a few days ago. Bastoni's probably the main one. Well, best, but that yeah. we weren't getting Bastoni. He didn't yeah, want well, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's not so. Um, but I think I saw something earlier this week, right? That he, he wanted Romelu Lukaku and who was the other player? But it was just like two players that have had terrible seasons. Like, that would have been a disaster. Been... Can you imagine? Paris, just... I think they I think they were actually talking. I think that was more future looking than past looking about Lukaku. And it was like, somebody. Man, he's had a horrible there. season. Yeah. We should really get him for next year. I think it's just there's managers that like to bring players that they had at their previous squads. And and can you imagine our formation with Kane and Lukaku? Where would Sun play? Are we what, are we playing a three-man midfield then? Or are we playing – I have no idea what that formation would look like. Um, but his most of his – the Conte requests for signings have not been very good. I mean, Perisic has we, – we knew that he was old, you know, and, and that he could just fall off a cliff. And it looks like that probably happened. Uh Oh, potentially it's the, yeah pot- potentially <laughs> it's, the tactics with Paris no probably have, about it well so either sun has declined or that the tactics of of or the style of play and tactics of parasitch don't mix and match with sun very well which seems to be probably there's something there it seems like um i'm trying to think who are others? i will say I mean, sun he, has looked better ever since parasitch stopped playing yeah so that, that course, was just, just our luck that, ben davis is now out for like the next uh, four to six uh, weeks so we're and Sessignon's still not back yet. So we're basically going to just get Parasic, and the only person it's to good. to spell him is going to be Royale. 
Emerson. Yeah. Yeah, no, but his his signings have mostly not worked out very well. Like Long Longley's been okay. You know, he's nothing. He hasn't been super impressive, but he actually he hasn't been terrible either. He's probably better than Dyer. I would probably would have preferred to see him start playing in the middle. Except that again, we're just we we loan out too many players though. Too. I mean, we're we're fairly weak at the back already. Again, the the Doherty thing made no no sense at the time. Wouldn't it be great to have that guy right now with our injury crisis at left back? But this goes back to the whole thing, right? This goes back to the whole thing of a play, of a coach that's basically saying, if these aren't the guys that I think I can win with, I'm just not going to find a way to play them. Then why and did so, he ask to have so many of those guys come in? And why doesn't he rotate with other people to try and see if there are other players that maybe are less selfish? Or does he I mean, just know what, that what you're saying these are the makes least... sense, Ben? But this is what I'm yeah. saying is like it was never a good match. Like it was just a not the way no, it was, you're asking right about for that. is he's he wants a club like Abramovich's Chelsea that's gonna just not ask questions and put the money on the table. And Spurs have never been that club. And yeah. Spurs are good are the club that are gonna say, Hey, I know you really want Bruno Fernandez, but here's Giovanni Lasoso instead, right? Like they're going to give you the the store brand version of what you're looking for, right? You're saying La Celso is generic, Bruno Fran. He's like, he's I mean, the, uh, the is, Kroger is, brand. Is he not? <laughs> you want it tied. I mean, I'm just going to give you some dishwashing liquid. You know what I'm saying? But, it's not, like, this is, we have like, a team full of dishwashing liquid. So this is, that's, and I think. That's definitely the, that, the episode name. A team full of dishwashing. <laughs> All right, sorry. If you know that, then why why the hell did you come to Spurs in the first place? Yeah, no, I I agree, but I I also don't. I mean, we it, Levy it likes to likes a bargain. You know, he he does that sometimes. I don't remember. Was that the same summer though that Fernandez? I think Fernandez went in January. And we got the Celso the following nope. summer or something. No, same exact summer. But I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I guess I'd need to look at stats. I'm not going to argue that Lacelso has been good, but remember, he he did. He was like almost our best player his first year. And then it fell apart after that. Yeah, and then that Fernandez, was also the year that we finished like sixth. There were a lot of good players that season, and That's that true. was the year. That was the year that both Kane and Son got hurt. So, but also, has Fernandez been that good? I mean, I don't want to go down a rabbit yes, hole here. He's been he's been pretty good. He's for kind them, of a mer- like, mercurial player that like chips up with uh, some weird goals oh, yeah. here I mean, there. Those goals and assists, we would like that in our team. I'm just gonna. He, say. he reminds me of uh, and he would have he would have he would have fit the bill of a. a of an attacking mid but he's like we, a luxury player I mean, he's, he's not he's not consistently there anyway we don't need to argue that uh, i i take your point though overall is that levy likes to to try to drive down the price he likes to try to get you know yeah so a, i feel like that's that's what you want and then it's like if i don't get the exact profile of player that i want then i'm just not gonna play him and even if we're putting together a bunch of unconvincing performances like we were earlier in the season, he just kept the same rotation. Royale has come good, but there was no guarantee that that was going to happen. He played poorly for four or five months and kept starting every week. Son was awful. He kept starting every week. Even and though, so we, it, even it, though it, Conte had apparently specifically asked for Richarlison, who he spent $60 million on, and then he decided to just really not play him that much. I know there were some injury things there as well. But again, Conte doesn't even seem to know if he likes his own players that, that much. He doesn't well, rotate and doesn't try different things. I know that he sees more than we do in practice and everything, but I just under—I don't understand his inflexibility when he apparently he hates all his players anyway. Like, why don't you just try changing that around? Yeah, a bit? play play a different player that you hate. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. He's got he's got his his starting 11 are his players that he hates the least. Right. They're yeah. the least selfish of all the selfish assholes we've got. I mean, I think at this point it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to go. I think when I first watched the presser, I'm like, this guy's got to go. He should be fired tomorrow. And the more I've sat on it, and I think the fact that like we don't have a game for another week has kind of helped me think a little bit more objectively. Wait, real quick about that, though. What did you think about the whole thing where apparently Conte then spoke to Levy and Levy was like, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't insult the front office. He was it was only the players. So we're going to think about this. And that's the funniest thing is yeah, like, I'm, I'm looking at like the, I'm looking at the premier league's website and they have the transcript of the press conference and they totally just left out the part where Conte goes like for 20 years, this club, it's blah, blah, blah. I don't, really, I don't remember exactly what he said, yeah, exactly. but it was like Tottenham really story. This is for 20 years. They never won something. And the, the premier league just took that whole like part of it just out. I, I was like wow. looking for, I like searched 20 years. <laughs> I was like, shit. I was like, I remember this. They watched yeah. it. I, so I That's searched crazy. 20 years and it's just gone. They scrubbed <laughs> the tape. <laughs> and the club did not put up this press conference. Cause I obviously, whenever you go to look, I wanted to look at the press conference <laughs> again, just to be like, you know, refresh my memory. There was no content camp the, this week. Either. The we last didn't. press conference <laughs> is from seven days ago <laughs> in like the midweek um before the game so yeah it's it's a uh, it's actually quite hilarious yeah they turned into like the chinese government on this one yes yeah, <laughs> save, save levy's ass i mean you you can't you can't put up i guess you can't put up on your clubs uh youtube just no you know, you, yeah, fried. <laughs> i would not put that up either but removing parts of the from the transcript is pretty uh... that to me is that to me is what was the funniest part Redacted. i literally searched I literally Dude, that's like the TV 20... going blackout when they're showing bad news coverage. During, but I the, searched uh, you know. 20 years because that was the one thing I remembered. I was like, I remember him saying specifically 20 years. I'd searched 20 years. Nothing I was talking about the players that have been here for the past 20 years. I'm not talking yeah, about the all those guys. But it's nothing, like, how do it's you... not, it has nothing to do with the fact that you've been here for specifically 20 years. But it's like, how can you walk that back? Like, there's no way you can walk that back. Well, that, that's where thing, you can Kim, Here's this you is said actually, what you this, said. <laughs> well, this is actually what I was going to get into. Is like, I feel like my mood has changed on this a little bit. Where I feel like, yes, he needs to go. Yes, there's no way he's coming back to to coach this team again in August because he obviously doesn't want to be here. But I do wonder if it even makes sense to sack him now, particularly if you actually want to get top four like is us starting over with a brand new coach in the middle of march that's where i was last week that that's where i was last week but i uh, furthermore i feel like he it almost feels like sacking him now is almost like letting him off the hook like he's basically just basically said like spurs are shit it has nothing to do with me i couldn't help these bums and now i'm going back to italy peace out and then we kind of just sack him and it almost feels like he's he's absolved himself, and a lot of what that press conference felt like was him like giving all the reasons why he couldn't do get it done. And for me, I feel like well, there's still a job to do. It isn't the job that we went into the season wanting, but there is still a job to do, which is there's ten games left, and we we want to finish in the top four. All right, you're still on contract, and you still haven't walked out the door. Get it done. And if he can't get it done, 
you don't resign him anyway. And then you can hire the coach that you really want in June. I will also say personally, I think that we are, we are a long shot for the top four right now anyway. So I don't think whether he stays or leaves, I'm not convinced that it's going to make a difference in where we finish. So maybe that's my own cynicism, but I also just feel like, what do we gain by sacking him now? Is it just so that we can get rid of the soap opera? Is it just so that the players don't have to worry about seeing him in training? These players that we're all agreeing are mentally weak anyway, that we're kind of letting them off the hook as well. Like, I don't think Conte should be Spurs' coach, but I, I, I have a hard time seeing any reason why he shouldn't be for the rest of this season because, like, who else are we going to hire? Are you going to hire a long-term coach or are you just going to hire somebody to coach the next 10 games? And it's very unlikely that we're going to be able to bring in the coach that we want now anyway, so we might as well just wait till June. I'm on board with most of what you said. I, I I was at the place last week where basically I thought we needed to get rid of Conte, but why get rid of him right now? He still could shepherd us towards the top four. But then after this past this past press conference, I I can't see there being an argument for him not having lost the dressing room at this point. But but if you're I saying also, that at the press conference, you already have. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. No, I mean, uh, he's, oh yeah, okay. yeah. No, I mean, it's 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 beyond doubt that he is his does not have the backing of a, even if he there were some players that he did have the backing of before then. They're going to be very few now. Similar to what I was saying earlier about the fans, like I know that there's still some Conte pro Conte, but at, at after that conference, that press conference, I would say would have had to have changed from I don't know what the ratio would have been, say fifty fifty to like. 30 70 or something like that there were there were there so was do some you just remove him to get rid of the cancer well, and just what's I was gonna Ryan say, Mason for the rest of the season what do you do maybe I uh, something you said though did have think about this from Levy's point of view right so one thing it'd be kind of funny to force Conte to to see this thing out like I mean that's like one of the ultimate things you could do to kind of rib him right it's like fuck this guy like now let's, let's make you force force you to uh see out your contract and then we'll just cut ties at the end of the season but it would be kind of funny to make the players deal with Conte too after what he said to them. Like, I mean, I wonder if there's, I don't know, this is complete speculation, but I wonder if there's any way that this could turn into somehow a, uh, a, like they they actually play better because they're going to F this guy. Like the ultimate, uh, like what what was the hairdryer Fergie's thing? Where we call this his halftime speech is like, this is like that version, a version of that. Um, this that feels more like it would be like a major league baseball type movie, <laughs> but who knows? I, I like the perversity like, of almost it. Almost they start playing better despite him. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this guy thinks we suck. I like that idea. Yeah, they have a dartboard with Conte's face in there, and they play. It I between, mean, what the hell? After it can't all hurt. those wins, we're gonna come in. Yeah, we can't play. We can't play worse than we've played against Sheffield and Forest. And oh, what if they? What if they ignore his automations and play super forward progressive football? Even better. That would be great, right? <laughs> There goes some wish casting. Keep him or sack him. That's that's, that's definitely a wish cast. So honestly, I'm probably leaning more to sacking him than keeping him. I would probably say I'm like 70-30 simply because like, do we risk losing players to, you know, like a bunch more players deciding to ask out because he just makes it so miserable over the next, like, even though he's not going to be here, like, is that something that gets some guys to just be like, I don't want to deal with this stuff. Like if you guys can't, if you guys can't see this guy's a cancer at this point, 
and get rid of him like why am i going to stick around for this kind of stuff to happen again at some point so like i could see that so what if they that... go ahead yeah what if what if they just started uh doing zoom sessions with pochettino and not even telling conte <laughs> and so they had like a remote manager with conte just be all passive aggressive and whiny or baby being a baby about it yeah, I mean, no, see, he's I, not even back in London yet. I know, I know, he does this between well, breaks, but Stellini and Mason. This is normal. This is not abnormal. Um, yeah, I saw a little clickbaity tweet, which made it seem like Conte just didn't show up. But normally, he takes like the first week and stays in Italy, and then he'll come right. back like next week. So, What's there, I, I mean, half, half of our people. team is gone. I was anyway. gonna say there are so only four. Like, yeah, they're like four first team players that are actually training. So it's literally right. just like no, no. It's it's uh, for what I've, yeah, for what I've seen, that is the norm. But um, I do wonder, though, like if and I know that there's been some some talk about this over the uh, over the you know the past week or whatever. But how much of the players' apathy or is is could potentially be related to Conte having one foot in Italy all the time and not committing to a long term project here and not expressing against solidarity with the team? Like I feel like that is a, not only is Conte not creating the culture, but it almost seems like he's doing the opposite of like it's not us versus the world it's not me and you guys all long term we're building something here it's, it's like, like a we'll part time he's like a part time we'll gaffer yeah yeah these, these yeah. club signings and i mean yeah i just i don't see how he cannot see that as being a psychological destabilizer i guess so you're saying kim it's more so like if he sticks around it could have a long term effect on our on like players view of their the club the in club. general i mean like if if the club is okay with like someone going into the press and like shitting on them consistently like i think at some point the players are just like i mean if you're gonna take this like why am i sitting here for this like i don't get paid to for someone to like honestly if you if you got something to say say it to me don't don't go into the press to say it like i, I, I don't know this just thought this whole thing was childish and going back to like Conte's when they they actually did ask him this question someone was like Antonio this is a difficult question to ask you but do you think your position the uncertainty over your future and he just cut them off and was like you're finding an alibi you're making excuses for, for the well, players he's, yeah I mean yeah he's refused he's refused to answer any questions about his future he says oh the the club knows well, where to I take stand. any responsibility well, for any and oh well, you know, I'm on contract through the end of the season. Well, yeah, well, that's not what we're asking you about. And we can't pretend that the future has no effect on the current season. Like it's not like everything's just going to start afresh in June. Like that's not the way sports works. That's why guys sign extensions. That's like there is such thing as future planning. And what you're going to do tomorrow is going to affect how people act today. So he has been pretty non-committal and i think that's only that's that's furthermore led to the understanding and belief that he won't be around next year and i mean this did nothing more than just confirm that but like if he's out then what would you do for the rest of the season would you just um have mason take over or what do you i mean nagelsman's on the board now but i don't know that he wants to take this job in the middle of march either and i feel like he might be a good person to chase in june but like what would you do for the rest of the season i mean maybe he doesn't want to take the job in march but i feel like you if you have a guy that's out of a job and you know that's the guy you want to hire i feel like you should just hire him now so that he can get in with the team figure out who he wants to move forward with like i think that's something that's 
like if you're going to fire somebody and and that person's available like the, the coach that you want to go after is available I think it makes sense to bring him in now but I just think because we got 10 games it gives you I mean and I'm honestly I don't it's almost like coach, a preseason it's like exactly a, I don't it's I don't like feel like season. that coach needs to come in yeah. and like win all these games but I mean at this point we're not going to go down so like I think it would just give that coach an opportunity to try out who's here and make a decision going into the summer about who you want to get rid of and who you want to keep as opposed to trying to do that just watching film like you can work with these guys you can see how they work I feel like that's not a bad also, thing if we I know also think we it could hire. also yeah I mean I also think it could give other players a view of like how you're going to play your football mm-hmm. at Spurs so if I'm a player that's somewhere else and I'm thinking about maybe going to another team this summer I now have like a 10 game sample size to be able to say like, Oh, like Nagel's been Spurs actually don't look that bad. I think that's a good argument. And I can actually see that if we were actually going for um, Nagelsmann that obviously just happened today. So that changes my opinion more than what I felt yesterday. I yeah, think- I didn't even, I didn't even know about that one. I, it's, it helps us both. Cause I like Nagelsmann. I, uh, but also because yeah. that means we're, it looks like they're potentially going for Tuchel. So oh, they've already, that helps hired, us in they've two already ways. hired him. They already hired him. All right. So that, yes. I think that helps us doubly then because I did not ways. want yeah. Tuchel. I, I saw him be passed around, but I mean, I yep, think I before like, Nagelsmann, be, off the list. yeah, I think before <laughs> yeah. Nagelsmann became um, an option, I would have probably said our best, our best option was um, Amarim from Sporting. I think that that's like kind of the profile of the type of coach, like someone who's willing to make more out of players that aren't super accomplished, but like he can actually make something out of them, you know, like coach that like, you know, (laughs) actually like build the potential of players instead of just calling them garbage. Um, So like, that's, that's, that's the profile of the type of player that I think that we need. I think, Nagelsmann kind of fits that bill as well. The only thing that I'll say about Pochettino before we wrap up is like, I feel like I would love Pochettino to come back, but I still feel like it's a little too soon. And I think a part of the reason why, and it took me a while to kind of land here because I was like, I don't, something feels wrong about it. I wasn't sure exactly what it is, but I think honestly for Pochettino to come back, I think he would need a completely new team without so many of the guys that he's already coached. I think also for Pochettino's football to work the way that we want it to, he needs to have a team that's just full of young guys. Um, I think we have a lot of those young guys. I think the Popsars and the Bentonkers and the Kulisevskis and the Skippies and like those players under Pochettino, like I could see us like really looking bright. But I think there's still a little bit too much of too many rather of the Hugos and the Sunnies that like need to go out the door. And maybe that's still two or three or four years away. And at that point, I could see it. Maybe at that point, it might be too late. And, you know, football trends seem to change every three or four years. Maybe Pochettino ball will be outdated by then. But like, I just I think it's too soon still. So. I would go for Nagelsmann or Amarin personally. Well, that's another elephant in the room, actually, is Payne. How much input is he going to have into who our next manager is? A lot. And, and how much, uh, what is the, 
impact from the next banners we get on term in terms of where Kane plays football next year? I mean, if we don't hire somebody that he approves of, he he's definitely going to want to go. I don't. I I feel like I've gotten to a point where I think it it probably is just. I know from a emotional you know standpoint, we want to keep Kane until he retires. We want him to break record the the, the Alan Shearer's record with Spurs. We want him to retire uh, as a Tottenham player, but. I think that from a, a more logical standpoint, that it probably makes sense to try to get to sell Kane while he still does have some value. I know that that could be a couple more years, but that could fall off a cliff next year for all we know. With Son, I think that that's coming very, you know, even sooner because he's more reliant on pace. Um, I think that it, almost any manager we get, we've talked about this a bunch, where it's going to be a project manager. Um, and, and being part of that project, does Kane need- want to... Yeah, but does Kane want to stick around for another project? Does he have enough time for another project? I don't know how I would, if I was Kane, I don't think I would feel like I have five more years of being at the top of my game or three more years, maybe three. So so but, a few things on Kane, and, and I'm going to let Kim jump in here in a second as well. Kane wants to stay in England because he wants to break Shear's record. If he knows he's not leaving to go somewhere else, there's only probably one other place he can go. He's not going to Arsenal. He's not going to Chelsea. City has Harlan now. So it's the only place United, he can go is United. Yeah. If he goes to United. Wait, how about Liverpool? Could he could he do Liverpool? Um, I don't see that with them having um Gakpo that and style and, play. and and Diaz and Nunez. Nunez like I, yeah. I don't see him fitting in there with all those because they've already spent money on on filling that position. Yeah, that's probably true. And they've kind of committed to like those three players being a part of their future. So I think it is really just, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're playing about Veg- Vegforst. How about player. Newcastle? Like they, well, here's, the well, here's here, that was going to be my next point, which is if you're leaving Spurs, your boyhood club, he's one of our own. You're the all time leading scorer for the club. The only reason you're leaving is because you're saying I need to go somewhere else and win a trophy. And if you go somewhere else and don't win a trophy, you left Spurs yeah, you for look nothing. Like a dick. Yeah. And, and it's Newcastle and, and, closer and, you're, than... and you're better off just staying at Spurs because you're probably going to score more goals there anyway. Well, that's the thing. So, is either Newcastle or United any closer to a trophy? And, especially that, Newcastle, and that's exactly yeah, I mean, what I was going to say. And right. so, like, I think I think that is what plays in our favor the most is that like if you're leaving, you have to pretty much know, like, I'm going to win a trophy in the next two years. And I don't know that he can say that at unless he goes to and City. United, and he certainly can't say that at Newcastle. And so, like, Only I feel like, yeah, if he's gonna go to United, like, he's gonna have to feel like I'm gonna like, and I just don't see that guarantee. And so, I, I think it is what, still a one bit thing though. But like, I think for me, like, he might just say, you know what, Spurs are gonna give me four hundred thousand a week. I'm going to be a God here. They're going to build a trophy for me. I'll build a statue for me. And like, I'm just going to stay here. Like I can very much see that happening. I'm not saying it will, he might go to United, but like he's taking a gamble if he leaves uh, more than he would be taking a gamble if he stays. Well, just one, one, cause I think that's a very good point. But one caveat is I just, I remember hearing rumblings at least about Holland apparently wanting to try different leagues, like bouncing around almost like how Pep has, except it sounds like 
you know, probably in a briefer time span, but there's been talk about him moving on to Real Madrid. I don't know if that doubtful would be this summer. I doubt he would only spend one year at City. But what if City's but He's on about a different timeline. He's way younger than Kane. This he is, is going to be Kane's next – this is going to be his last big contract. Well, this is the last time we can – is he – He's not, he, is this his contract up next summer? Like this is his the last – contract's up can, in 2024. He'll be 30. Right, so, so we either sell him this summer or we get we lock him down to a new contract. Exactly. But I wonder so if he would I, what, wait it what out. What I think is going to happen – what I think is going to happen is Levy's going to say to Kane, like, here's my short list. What do you think? Like Kane has to be involved in all the in all of the decision making because you're basically saying I'm not going to sell you, and if you're not going to give me assurances that you're going to be here next year, then I'm going to basically have to give you ownership in some of the decisions I'm making to convince you that this is a place that you should stay. That's the only way that's going to play out. And he hasn't resigned yet. He hasn't given us an extension yet. So for me, I think he has to be involved in the decision-making on the next coach because otherwise you lose him for free. Like that's, that would be the biggest disaster in, that would be bigger than all of the other failures that Levy and Enoch have had. If Kane just walks away and they don't make any money off of it and they're not going to sell him. So I think that's the only, I wonder if that, I wonder if that tilts the odds more in favor of Pochettino. I mean, again, complete speculation, but just popped in my head. He obviously had a good relationship with Pochettino and he only has, you know, however many years left at his, his peak or near peak. I wonder if he would want another go with the manager that basically brought him up from being a prospect essentially to being the best or one of the best strikers in the world. Yeah, I don't know if he has the legs for Pochettino anymore, to be frank. I, I, I just don't see it. It would probably have to take some adaptation. The other forwards would have to be uh, good pressers. You'd have to have Kane. It'd be more of a positional thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't, dis, don't disagree with you for sure. But I wonder if, if uh, Pochettino's style is the exact same as it was. And I wonder if there's any um, adaptations he can make to, to, to allow him to have Kane in there with maybe not the – same amount of of energy that he had, you know, eight years ago or however long ago. Kim, what do you think uh, happens with Kane? What do you think we should do? Uh, I mean, that's it's tough. It's tough. I I think, I mean, he's our record goal scorer. He's a Tottenham legend. If he wants to stick around, we figure out a way to get him to stick around. I think that's what we should do. Um, if he wants to leave, we should figure out a way to get him a move I think he deserves that if that's what he wants um he's obviously not doing it the way that he did it a couple years ago I think he learned his lesson about letting things play out outside of the media and sort of just allow things to happen naturally um and you know like I said I would like to see him continue in a Spurs kit um for as long as he's able um but you know if that's what he wants then I'm also the person that's like, we do have Richie who can play striker. And if we get a nice progressive manager who presses, I think Richie will be good up front. So uh, it will be different. It will take the, the team adapting to not having a guy that can just bag 20 goals. It would truly be what people think of as maybe the painful rebuild, but it will allow us to see what we do have outside of Kane. Cause I feel like sometimes we're just so reliant on Kane that 
other guys and that might be you know when when Conte's talking about people shrink I kind of feel like sometimes we're so reliant on Kane that guys feel like they just got to show up and Kane will bag goals <laughs> and without him the team has to sort of like reassess what they do how they do it and I feel like that's it a Champions League mm-hmm. final without him Ah. <laughs> hey, so wait, what, what do you guys think? Same question about Sun, though. Yeah, for me, I would say Sun is a little older. He's probably 30 now. I think he's one year older. Yeah, like I mean, I just feel like this is really harsh to say a year after he won the Golden Boot. But I just don't see Sun getting better than what he is right now. Like, it's going to be a decline like we've we've seen son at his peak that was last season he's not gonna hit those heights again so for me i think you sell high um and i would i would look to sell him now just because he's only going to get worse from here and then the price is going to go down and we've seen that happen time and time again at spurs where we hold on to players too long whether it's the dire or whether it's the Delhi or whether it's the Toby, uh, like we've held on to players to the point where they lose their value. And then it's like, oh, well, now that they're not good anymore, let's try to sell them. I think this is a good opportunity, especially if we're going to start over and get a project manager. It's a good opportunity to kind of like, just like make a clean break, get some money for him, buy some younger players, um, and let him go be great somewhere else. But like, I, I don't think Sonny's going to have more than three or four years left anyway. And like, he's given us his best, his best years. He's not going to get better from here. So for me, like it, it makes more sense to sell him now while he still has value than to wait until he sucks completely. And like, to be frank, he sucks for most of his year, but I don't think people are looking at him and saying like, he's done. I think he's just having a down season. He can go somewhere else and still bag 15 goals next year, and then it'll be like all is forgiven. So I think we need to just take that opportunity now. But that's where I stand with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough not to be sentimental. Like, I love Sonny. He's one of my favorite Spurs players since I've been following them. He doesn't quite have the legend status of Kane. He's not a homegrown player. But that goes back to the whole, like, we're too nice thing, right? Like, Yeah, no, this I, is, that's this the is thing. why we're in the position we're in. Exactly. Now. And, and I mean, obviously, this wouldn't be my call to make, but if I'm making this from a financial standpoint, from a player um, skill level, you know, whatever you want to call it, standpoint, there's no question I would be selling some sunny this summer. I would be thinking about it with Kane. I guess the one other thing they would be talking about, if you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, is like you said earlier, Kane is a legend. Think about how many jerseys Kane sells. Same can be said of Sun to a degree. He's, again, legendary status, a little bit lower, but he... He's got his own fan base in another country that brings in like tens of millions of fans. So from a strictly business standpoint, I wonder if you could almost like weigh that out and and think we're going to make this much from Sun Jersey sales versus the sale of Sun the player. You know what I mean? So I I think, though, that both those guys, especially Sun, though, is going to have to start getting fewer minutes. And I don't know how that plays out in the future. Again, from a financial standpoint, I agree with you that it probably makes the most sense to sit to uh, to sell Sun, but I don't really know what the the numbers are behind the the curtain. So I think that there's there's another whole financial aspect to both those players 
that I have no idea how that compares to, like I said, the, the actual sale of a player to another club, especially for years. Like Kane, I think you don't, you don't think Kane can make up a hundred million of a hundred million pounds with three years of Jersey sales. Or like I said, I don't know the specifics, but I'm sure there is some aspect of that. But I think for me, like if we like if you were to go to United, if we actually want the football to get better, like we have to make difficult decisions that aren't just about revenue. Like we, no, I I get that. Like I said, that would be the coach. Yes, that would be the 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 manager, the coach using Sonny for now and maybe Kane later as more of a super sub like that's he comes on to get like there it's not like this is unheard of in other sports where you have these players that decline and then they become say a starting pitcher that becomes a reliever would be a good uh, uh comparison I, I know that's not how things necessarily happen in, in in soccer as much but I if he still has value if you say the finances are a wash right we'll just we don't really know but say they're a wash would you want Kane on our team for the next, even if it was five years and his productivity is obviously on a decline, but as long as we have a manager that's using him sensibly and using him as a sub to come on and get late goals or to, you know, provide whatever um, late resurgence we could get, like, what do you think of, of, of that idea? I guess. Uh, I mean, I kind of um, super sub him. That's how I feel like, I'll be okay with him staying around for another year. And as long as the manager, as long as we can trust the manager to do that and not feel like he has to play Kane so he can break records, basically, right? I mean, Kane's going to start for at least another three years. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't. Son is the guy who I would say like super sub him. Um, His contract's probably not up until twenty twenty five. Or 26. He signed a new contract not that him. long ago. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, like, I feel like he might have signed like a four-year contract in 2022. So, I feel like he still has quite a bit of time on his contract. And I think if we bring him off the bench regularly, he will score 10 to 15 goals a season. I don't I, like. I can see that. I mean, he bagged what four just coming off the bench two games. We only I feel just like played Leicester kind of with him as a sub each each week. I kind of feel like that's the kind of thing that could happen and be consistent. Like having that guy run at tired legs to me is a good, it's a good tactic. Like I, it it can lead to things and also not having him with his, if we got a coach that doesn't have Sonny with his back to goal all the time, I feel like he'll, he'll be better too. I feel like that's part of the, the Sonny downturn has been, he's not running in behind as much and he is in the midfield. And I feel like you're asking him to do stuff that he's not good at. And he's not being good at it. And so I feel like part of the Sonny thing is, yeah, Sonny has not played as well, but part of it is he has not been put in positions to succeed. So I don't think we should use this year as like a reason to beat Sonny for not scoring enough goals. I think part of that is Conte. So I, I feel like and he, he looked kind of like that last year. He just had, he, he scored more goals, but he, he didn't was, have a, he, yeah, he was he running in of, behind more. Like there were, yeah, that's more, true. Th- th- that happened a lot more that, just hasn't happened that's the parasitch argument again i guess to some degree either that or i don't know what else would so, yeah changed. i don't want to just i don't i wouldn't really want to sell him this summer but i could see how it would make sense so if we sold him like i wouldn't be super super disappointed like if we sold him last year i'd have been like what the fuck is this but if we sell him this summer i'm not going to be super super disappointed but i would like to see him with spurs next year all right pretty well, fucked up to sell him after a golden boot <laughs> well, hey man yeah. 
<laughs> sports is a tough business. I think we're gonna wrap here. We've this is yeah. this is probably longer than any episode. The longest we've episode so far, we've but, ever had. Uh, <laughs> after, that's what, after that's what after, after no Conte match at all, right? Like yeah. this is just us <laughs> talking about everything. But this is what Spurs do to you, right? Um, no match this weekend. We've got uh, a little bit more of a break, and then we will be back on April third to play Everton with their new coach Sean Dyche. So we'll see how it goes. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Please. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes.